This is a People First Radio podcast. On the outskirts of Fanny Bay, nestled in on Vancouver Island's east side, you'll find several teams hard at work training most Tuesday and Thursday mornings. Stop, sit. Four paws, two feet, one team. That's the motto of Operation Freedom Paws, which helps people who've experienced challenges like post-traumatic stress disorder or type 1 diabetes to train their own service dogs. Many of the dogs being trained are rescues. Here's Executive Director Barb Ashmead explaining how it works. We accept people who have uh, need a medical service alert dog. That can be for psychological injury, for epilepsy, or for diabetes. And you uh, fill out an application and you come into our program. If you don't have a dog, we'll find a dog for you and assign a dog. We take uh, veterans, first responders, children, and then civilians in about that order. Everyone in the program has to train twice a week for a minimum of 48 weeks. I was speaking with Ashmead in her office, and we were joined by her service dog, Ziva, a 14-month-old chocolate Labrador. Uh, The dog, we start with training obedience, and then the dog will start doing certain alerts. And then we praise the alert by saying thank you, and that becomes a habit. So, for example, when my anxiety goes up, Ziva will jump on me and tell me that my anxiety's up. And if I don't listen, she keeps jumping until I listen to her. And then I do a full body scan and make sure and get myself back in order again. And then I can move forward again. So that's how we teach everybody. Ashmeet says the dogs know when something is up thanks to their noses. So all alerts are given by the person's smell. So as something happens to you, your body changes. 60% of a dog's brain is smell. So they can pick up an alert to you really quickly once they understand what they're doing. To be able to understand what they're doing, the dogs need to build a strong relationship with their person. We want a really good, solid bond between you and your dog. We want you guys to know each other inside out and backwards so that they can help you at all times. And so basically you and your dog are a partner. Uh, Veterans like to call them their fire team partner. They they become a part of your life. And uh, they know and they understand you probably better than just about anybody else. Is it common for people who are coming into the program to have never had a dog before and this is the, the first yes. ever experience training or yeah. living yeah, with it a dog? Is. It is. And so what happens if, they, if they're using one of our dogs, so we rescue our dogs and work with them, and they use one of our dogs, they work here uh, for anywhere between six weeks to 12 weeks with the dog. And then when they're ready, we send the dog home. But we make sure that they're all ready for everything. The daily routine, we send them home with the routine of how the day works and things like that. So that they're ready for it. And then they go home. And uh, we work with them if they get overwhelmed and, and things like that. But that's about how it works. I'm Hunter, and I have type 1 diabetes, and my dog's name is Moxie. And I'm Diane, Hunter's mom. I heard about Operation Freedom Paws through uh, randomly running into somebody in community. At 13 years old, Hunter is the youngest ever graduate of Operation Freedom Paws Canada. I asked him what it was like when he started working with Moxie. It was really nice. I had lots of other like anxiety just like flush out of me when I like 
just hugged her and like just snuggled with her. His mom Diane says there was a bit of a feeling out process between Hunter and Moxie at first. A lot of it just came down to Hunter and Moxie sort of learning each other and then learning the language that Moxie was trying to show us through her skills of um, and ability of showing us when Hunter's blood sugars were changing. And so that's what we originally entered into this for is to have a dog um, to help us and to help Hunter alert to when his blood sugars are changing um, because dogs scent of smell is so um so much better than ours as humans and she can sometimes alert to us 25 to 35 minutes before even like the dexcom will let us know that his blood sugars is changing so she'll she'll do like one little quick bark and that quick bark is just enough for us to be like okay something's changing with his blood sugar we might not know what but something's shifting as soon as hunter was diagnosed diane knew how much a service dog would help but it seemed like there was one big hurdle to train one or to have one trained for you is so far out of 90% of people's budget, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And I thought like, I don't, I don't know if this is even possible. And then, then that's when I came through um, randomly at a community function. There was somebody there with a dog and he had told me about Operation Freedom Paws and, um, and Barb and with the work that they do here. Profit service dog groups charge anywhere between thirty to $55,000 for a dog. So it makes it unobtainable for a lot of people. What we're trying to do is make it obtainable for anybody who, who, uh, who wants to and can, and can fit into our program. The program has to be a good fit for the person and, and uh, they have to be willing to, to do all the time. So the program works both ways. Operation Freedom Pause is free. Participants just need to be able to make the time commitment. While many of the dogs who are trained in the program are rescues, Hunter and Diane have had Moxie since she was a puppy. Their old dog Lily, who they'd had for 12 years, had recently passed away. It was sort of like this like family agreement, like we're not going to get another dog, just a little bit. And then, it's, I don't know, when you see a puppy. It was like a week before my mom said, Mom, my mom said, all right, we're getting a new puppy. We're getting a puppy. We can't, yeah, we can't. Yeah, after I, after having the, the the spirit of a dog in your house and then not to have that is, it's a stark difference. And so um, we waited about three months. And then when Moxie was born, we were able to sort of be there a week right after she was born. And then her and Hunter started their connection then. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty special. You're listening to People First Radio. This week, I paid a visit to Operation Freedom Paws Canada in Fanny Bay. It's a charity that helps people to train their own medical service dogs. People can bring their own dog if we feel it's suitable, but we do have a series of rescue dogs that have come through. Some of them came from First Nations. Some of them uh, came from California. Some of them were donated into our program. Uh, And then last year, we got six dogs from the Afghanistan airlift of dogs. And uh, they're in the program. There's two of them there today. One is Jerry and one is Andy. And they're all matched with people. And over the next six months, they'll all graduate from our program. I had a chance to meet Andy, who was very friendly and climbed all over me while I was snapping a pic. It's not the first time he's posed for the cameras. He's currently in first place in a photo contest to pick the dogs for a calendar as part of a fundraiser for Operation Freedom Paws. You might not traditionally think of rescue dogs as candidates to be service dogs, but Barb Ashmead says it isn't that big of a hurdle. All rescue dogs want is their own person. 
Once they get their own person, they know that person's devoted to them, they'll work out their partnership from there. How and when is it okay to engage with someone with a service dog in public? The way to engage is engage the person, not the dog. That dog is, that's why we've started putting uh, medical alert service dogs on. These are dogs that are there to help their person. Okay, so if you want to, you want to look at the person first and talk to them and say, hi, that's a beautiful dog you have. You can ask to pet the dog, but don't be upset if they say no. It's really important. All they're trying to do is get through getting their groceries or, or whatever they're doing, picking their kid up from school or whatever. So uh, it's, it's like a walking billboard. So it's asked. It's never okay to ask what's wrong with them, ever. You know, like, why do you have a service dog? That's not a question. Okay, that's not a, that's not a question you should. You have, they have a dog. So you should be able to work, you know, just, just see, you know, the best thing to do is say you got a really nice dog or just ignore them and let their and their dog get on with their day. It's really hard when people come up and want to pet the dogs or pet the dogs without you even asking. Because what it does is it takes the dog's attention off the person and onto that person. And that person could suddenly have a drop in blood pressure or start an anxiety attack or many other things. And then the dog's got to refocus back again. So the dog needs to stay focused on its person. So, you know, you can ask, but don't be upset if a person says no. It's just, uh, it, it's just that they and their dog are just trying to get through their day. Helping people get through the day and get back out into community is what Operation Freedom Paws is all about. So our whole goal is to help anybody with, with uh, what we refer to as a psychological injury or mental health problem to be able to get back into the community to be able to get back to holding a job down for our young people we have uh, 10 people under the age of 20 in our program our goal is to get them back in school regularly to get them to be able to go on to university or college or a trade and and uh, enter the world again and our hopes is to that they can avoid uh, they can they can uh, avoid possibly landing up on the streets or homeless or jobless. So we're hoping that this partnership will work for them. We hope it works for everybody so that they can become rejoin the community, rejoin their families. So how did Operation Freedom Pause get started? And where is it headed in the future? It started out by uh, Comox military base knowing that I had done some work with uh, a group of dogs to find out whether I could train a dog for one of their soldiers. And it started very small and then has built up. That group was just for veterans. I wanted a group that was more for all types of people, from veterans to first responders to children. So I started, uh, three years ago, I started Operation Freedom Pause Canada. And our sister school is in uh, California. It's called Operation Freedom Pause down in San Martin, California. So they helped us and mentored us to get started. So right now what we're doing is we're, uh, we're getting all our infrastructure down. We have a well built. We have electricity finally coming in. We're able to have our rescue dogs here now. We're able to, we've got a new trailer. We just have to wait for the wiring to be finished in it. And then we'll be able to do peer support in it. We're looking for people to help us with uh, counseling. We're looking for a psychologist to have on hand all the time. Uh, we're, we're gradually building. Our long-term goal is to build at least a 15,000 square foot building. 
which will have all our training and dog kennels below and above will have our offices and uh, our meeting rooms and we'll also have three or four rooms for people to sleep in because we get people to come from Victoria and stuff and it's busy when they have to drive back and forth all the time so if they have the opportunity that they want to stay overnight it will make it easier we also have people that have wanted to come from Vancouver but it's hard for them to come back and forth on the ferry so that's our long-term goal and so we are a charity uh, we are a BC society and we are a charity so we can give out tax receipt for donations from foundations and things like that that's what helps us work uh, and that and because of that that allows everybody to come in our program for free once they're ready after at least 48 weeks of training it's time to take the bc guide dog and service dog assessment test but passing that doesn't mean that folks have to stop coming around to operation freedom paws during my visit i could really feel a strong sense of community around the place people here are very nice yeah totally very nice yeah um like going on the trip that we just went on down to the sort of like the the head operation freedom pause in yep. um down in the states in california to be able to be there and then to come back here this is such a grassroots starting here in in fanny bay that um it's so exciting to see where it's going to be in the next 5 10 15 years um the people it's like instant camaraderie yeah people just sort of like see you for you if you're having a rough day you're not sort of stigmatized as oh mental health it's like hey you're another person it's nice to be here with you whether it's sharing a laugh <laughs> no you can't play this go find it oh, oh! <laughs> she's quick she's oh. quick it's food or sharing a triumph has anybody got any triumphs so far this week Hello, Hunter. I brought you to school. Great. Oh, nice. Awesome. Wonderful. You can really feel the bonds being built at Operation Freedom Paws. Four paws, two feet, one team, and so much more. People First Radio, People First Media, and People First Stories are community media projects of Vancouver Island Mental Health Society and are produced in Nanaimo, British Columbia. The opinions expressed do not necessarily represent the views of Vancouver Island Mental Health Society or its broadcast, podcast, and social media partners.